listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. As you saw in the title, I want to deal with And the reason I put caution is because that's not clickbait. That's actual, uh, I'm feeling an actual um, urgency like that in my spirit. I love you, Joe. I'm I'm feeling an actual urgency like that in my spirit about this next generation, which is why we're pushing so hard, as I said, for Miracle Word Kids, for last gen. Um, Why? Because I feel this urgency, and I'm about to read from the Bible as to why. I feel this urgency in my spirit. And again, if you're just logging on, you need to share this today because here's a message that needs to be heard by every Christian in this generation. Very, very vital uh, to the future of our children, our grandchildren. And and so we need to hear it. But if you have your Bible, uh, and if not, you can just put the references in the um, you know, in the, in the comments, people will can follow on long later. I'm in judges chapter two, judges chapter two. This is extremely critical, extremely critical judges chapter two. And, um, you guys know that Moses was tasked with delivering God's people from slavery in the book of Exodus, and then led them into the wilderness, through the Red Sea, and toward the promised land. But then he made a mistake that caused uh, God to not allow him to enter into the promised land. And so there was a transition. And the transition was Moses to Joshua. Now, if you remember, Joshua was one of the two men that were spies of the 12 that had faith when they spied out the promised land. And if you read the book of Numbers, you know, 12 went in for 40 days. And when they came back, 10 had what the Bible calls an evil report because it contradicted God's word. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, had a faith-filled report because they said, we're well able to take the land. The giants are bred to us. Their protection is removed from them. Let us go at once and take the land. And that's what they said. And so Joshua was then tasked later with taking over as the leader of the nation of Israel. And um, I'll show you something very interesting. In, uh, before you go to Judges 2, let me just read to you Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse number 9. This is the transition that I was just referring to. You ready? Verse 9. And Joshua the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. That right there is a miracle. That the people of Israel all transitioned their loyalty to Joshua after Moses. That's a miracle. I mean, you can't even get a new pastor to come into a church and have all of the people that attend the church be loyal to the new leader. 
like some leave, some, some are wishy-washy. This right here is a miracle that all of the nation followed Moses. And then after he laid hands on Joshua, all of Israel obeyed Joshua just as they had Moses. So now Joshua is the new leader of the nation of Israel. Well, he brought them in obviously to the promised land, a portion of it. They, if you don't know this, you can study the, um, uh, old Testament to find that they didn't take the entire promised land all at once. They take, they took it by portions and, um, Joshua came to the end of his life. And I want you to see something very dangerous that happened at the end of Joshua's life. And this is the thing that I say that we need to be very aware of and something that we need to have a plan in place for next generations. Are you ready for this? Judges chapter two and verse 10, and I'm going to read through verse 14. Judges two, 10 through 14. Are you ready? And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. Think about this now. Joshua passed away, but not just Joshua, according to scripture, and all the generation, Joshua's generation, were gathered to their fathers. That means they passed away. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Get this in your spirit. This one verse ought to strike urgency in your heart today. The Bible says in verse eight, Joshua, the son of Nun, servant of the Lord died at the age of 110 years and they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance. But then verse nine, or excuse me, verse 10, and all that generation. So there's always transition in generations. We go from one to another grandfathers and grandmothers to sons and daughters to grandsons, granddaughters. Notice this. And the whole generation were gathered to their fathers and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. Now get this, verse 13 and 14. They abandoned the Lord. See that? and serve the Baals and the Ashtaroth. Verse 14, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them and he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Sad story. Then of course, God had to raise up judges. You can keep on going. And then they demanded kings. We want a king. We want to be like other nations. We want to have a king like other nations do. You're not supposed to be like other nations. But notice the point here. The Bible says something happened. Now, this is where we need to see the urgency. Something happened in Joshua's generation where they failed to transfer the power of God 
the faith that they had into the next generation so that when they passed away, that was the religion of our fathers. That was the religion of our grandfathers. But the next generation rose up. Here's something crazy. The Bible doesn't say another generation after them rose up that didn't serve the Lord. It also says they didn't even know the Lord or what the work that he had done for Israel. Can you imagine that all of the things God did for Israel, bringing them out of bondage, bringing them through the Red Sea supernaturally, taking them through the wilderness, water coming out of a rock, God blowing his breath and quail coming in from every direction to feed 3 million people. Um, manna from heaven on the ground, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day to lead them and guide them. I mean, all of the things God did for them and nobody in the next generation knew any of that. Nobody in the next generation understood what God had done. What a, what a dangerous place to be. Something went wrong. I want you to hear this. Something went wrong in Joshua's generation that caused the next generation to rise up without knowing God, without serving God, and without even knowing the work that he had done. Now, we take that forward. That's right, AJ. In less than 50 years, in less than 50 years, those miraculous, uh, yeah, of those miraculous, it was all forgotten. That's exactly right. It was all forgotten. How, now here's the question we're dealing with today. How do you ensure that this never happens for your next generation, for my next generation? Because it's not like God wasn't moving. It's not like God wasn't doing things. He was. The Bible references the work that the Lord had done. So what took place? What took place? See, I've made up my mind that my children are going to be mighty. As Joshua said, I mean, you remember what Joshua said? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you remember the story, Joshua made up his mind. If the rest of you want to go serve other gods, that's your business. That's your business. But then he said, listen, we're going to go stand on this side of the camp. And any, anybody that's on the Lord's side, come over here. Anybody that wants to go serve false gods, you go be separated over there. Literally made a visible separation between those that wanted to serve other gods and those that wanted to serve the Lord God, the most high God, the only true and living God. And he actually made a visible separation. Come stand over here with us. You other ones stand over there. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord God almighty. You can do what you want but we're going to serve the Lord God almighty. That was his heart. We are, we are, he didn't say we might. He said, well, I am, I don't know about my kids, but I, no, 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 me and my house. I want you to put that in the comments today. As for me and my house, put it in all caps and put it capital A, capital N, capital D and my house. We all will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. We all will serve the Lord. I'm, I'm putting it in my, I'm putting it in my kids so heavy. Same with Jenna's kids. They were all at the house yesterday. 
And so I come out, I was working on something. I come out into the living room and they've got the, the chairs from the dining room table lined up in rows in the living room in front of the TV, like, like church, church seats. And they've got a podium. Teddy made like a little podium. He's got his suit on <laughs> and he's got an AirPod in. And the other kids are sitting in the seats and Teddy's got his Bible out and a microphone. And he's got the little karaoke machine set up. And Teddy's standing in front of the podium and he's preaching. And Maddie is behind, <laughs> Maddie is behind the, the island at the, or the, uh, the counter in the kitchen with the other AirPod in. And she's telling him what to preach from the Bible. And I hear Teddy, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter one. And I can tell he's been listening to his dad preach. The plug came undone from the mic to the karaoke machine. And he's trying to shout, but no sounds coming. He said, well, I think I've preached this mic out. <laughs> Teddy said that yesterday. And I'm, I go outside to sit uh, on the couch by the pool. And I can hear them in there shout, like scream shouting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're all shouting in the living room. Kids. Why? We're imparting to the next generation that we will serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. I don't care. I don't care what the rest of this generation is doing. As for me and my house and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. We will. We not, not might. We will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want you to see this now in Psalm 112, Psalm 112. I'm declaring this over your family and mine, the victory tribe, our families, our children, our grandchildren will serve the Lord. So if you're opening, open to, to Psalm 112 and let's look at it. Praise the Lord. It says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. I'm going to read that again. His offspring will be mighty in the land. His offspring, who? The righteous man, the righteous woman. His offspring will be mighty in the land. Will be mighty in the land will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed, not cursed, not serving other gods, not far from God, not, not knowing God or knowing the work he's done for their parents and their grandparents. No, the generation of the upright will be blessed. They'll be mighty in the land. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10 says, the wicked man will see it and get angry and gnash his teeth and melt away. And the desire of the wicked will perish. The desire of the wicked will perish. Hallelujah. The desire of the wicked will perish. Why? Because the generation of the upright will be blessed. His offspring will be mighty in the land. That's our, that's going to be our story. It's not going to end up like judges too where a whole nother generation rises up and they don't know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they don't know the God of Abraham and they don't serve the God of Abraham. Why am I, why am I putting that emphasis on Abraham? Because Galatians 3.29 says, if you belong to Christ, 
then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's the whole point of getting saved is that you can come into the family that God started with Abraham and the covenant God started with Abraham that was not just for him, but for the generations, you know, thousands and thousands of years into the future. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Glory to God. Powerful. And that's who our children are going to be. So, you know, how do you stop this? The question is, how do you stop this from happening? The caution that we feel, the urgency, how do you stop it from happening where you don't grow up and then your kids go do their own thing? And you know, I mean, I know people don't, there's people that read Proverbs and they, they read it as though it's just poetry and they read it that just because the genre is poetry, then we shouldn't take it for us that we shouldn't believe it. It's just speaking in generalities. I don't look at Proverbs that way. I understand the genre. I know that it's poetic. I know the way it's written. I I understand how to do hermeneutical Bible study. I know all that, but I don't look at the inspired inerrant word of God and look at certain things that are very plain in the word and say, well, that's just generally, that's not good. That's not really all. The Bible is very clear. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up. Do you realize? You are running an 18 year discipleship course in your home. People don't get that. You're running an 18 year discipleship program in your home. Before you get anybody else saved, you know, who you should witness to first your kids, you know, who should serve the Lord, your kids, you know, who you should train up in the things of God, your kids. And we're doing everything we can to help you do that. As you can see on the screen, we've got the Bible study for kids that just dropped, that's your first mission, your family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, not letting my kids go out to this anti-Christ, anti-God system and get snatched up because they're teaching critical race theory in school and teaching gender dysphoria in school and having drag queens come in for story hour and kindergarten and first grade, sending my kids out to that wickedness and saying, well, just hope, you know, we're just hoping that they, you know, are a light in the darkness. Yeah, keep hoping. We send kids out into public schools, and I understand that there are some people that, you know, they can't necessarily, they don't have the ability to, to you know, homeschool their kids, or, but you better be praying the Holy Ghost and fire on those kids. You better be anointing their heads with oil. And tra- let me tell you, if you have to send your children to public school, you should be that much more intentional about training their spirit up from a young age. You better be that much more intentional with explaining to them because they're getting exposed to stuff in public school at a young age that even some of us were not exposed to in public school until later because the generation today is more wicked as we get closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The generation we're in today is more wicked, more wicked. And by that, I mean, it's not that we were, people in our generation weren't dead in trespasses and sins. They were dead too, but it's almost as though sin continues to abound. Jesus prophesied that it, before he came, that it would be like it was in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. When you go back and study those two days, the days of Noah, unchecked corruption, unchecked violence. That's what we see today. The days of Lot, 
unchecked sexual perversion. That's today. So those things are already happening and continuing to increase in our generation. So prophetically, it's coming to pass as Jesus said that it would. And so we need to be intentional. If I am forced to, and I believe that God will bless you. Of course I do. I believe God will make a way so that you could send your kids to Christian school or homeschool them if you want to. But if you're in a position currently where you have to send your kids to public school, you better take extra steps to prep them for what's going on in these public schools. So that, you know, let me tell, let me tell you another one. It's part of the reason we, we launched Last Gen Youth and we're doing all this. Don't send them out to some liberal university to get brainwashed by a, an antichrist system and agenda. And they come back after listening to one professor's lecture on how the Bible, you know, is full of errors and the Bible isn't, isn't God's word. And it's just, you know, the, and they come back and they don't even believe in Christianity anymore because they don't even know why they believe what they believe. They're not prepped. They go off, you know, and, and let me tell you, I'll be honest with you. I lay the blame, a lot of the blame at the feet of uh, wishy-washy leaders in these seeker-sensitive surface-level churches that never saw the Holy Ghost move one time, didn't preach the strong word of God, didn't prep the young people to go off into life and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And as a result, look what's happening. We've had 30 to 40 years, 30 to 40 years of seeker-sensitivity taking over Western church, and look what it's produced. It's produced a bunch of weak people that don't know what they believe, that now anything goes. So what is produced? Did away with Sunday school, did away with doctrinal teaching, did, did away with all of that. And as a result, guess what? It's produced a bunch of wishy-washy Christians that don't even know why they believe what they believe. And God's looking for strong people that will stand and believe his word and stand against the spirit of antichrist that would pull them out of his presence. That's right. Heather Ramsey's saying in the comments that life doesn't exist in a vacuum. Something will fill your life. If it's not the word of God, if it's not the Holy Ghost, it'll be something else that's being pushed by this anti-Christ, anti-God agenda. So you either fill yourself with God's word and you fill yourself with the Holy Ghost and you stay in his presence and have your faith built or something else will fill you. Life doesn't exist in a vacuum. There is no neutral in the kingdom of God. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. That's it. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. And our children need to be moving forward. If we're sending them into public schools, we need to be preparing them for the things they're hearing, the things that they're seeing, and tell them and let them understand why we don't believe in what's being pushed in these public places. Because I'm not going to lose my kids to the world because somebody gave them a better explanation about life and love than what the Bible says because I didn't know it and I didn't teach it and I didn't transfer it into my kids. My kids will know the word of God. They will be strong, smart, and set apart. That's, that is actually our, uh, basically our mission statement for Miracle Word Kids. Your children will be strong, what? Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might smart, filled with wisdom, filled with stature, and set apart. They'll be holy unto God. Strong, smart, set apart. My students, my kids, my babies, strong, smart, set apart. They'll not be like everybody else. They'll be head and shoulders above the rest. 
your children will be head and shoulders above the rest. They'll be struggling through life, having to go trying to make, uh, you know, trying to make life work, trying to, trying to get ends to meet. You know, it's not going to be their, their story. They'll be blessed because of what you've imparted into their lives. Notice this passage here. Not only did they not know the Lord, here's a sad thing. They didn't know the work he had done for Israel. You know what that means? Somebody neglected their testimony. That's what that means. It means somebody neglected their testimony. Meaning they weren't talking about what God had done. They weren't talking about the miracles God had performed. They had neglected their testimony. I refuse to stop talking about what God has done, which means partly their praise had left them. Because when you praise, one of the things, according to Psalm 150, one of the things you're to praise God for are his mighty acts of greatness. Let me read you Psalm 150 real quick. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. One of the reasons that we're supposed to praise God is for his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. His excellent, it excels, right? His greatness excels. It goes beyond anything else in this universe. It excels. His excellent greatness, his mighty deeds and how great he is. And one of the things that proves how great he is, is his mighty deeds. And the moment you stop talking about his mighty deeds, the moment you stop talking about how good he's been and, and stop letting your children hear and stop letting your grandchildren hear how much God's done for you, then they don't know the work that God's done in your life. They don't know the work God's done in your family. Don't let your testimony go. Don't let your testimony go. This is why we're supposed to constantly be thankful and praiseful to constantly let people hear and understand this is what God's done for me. You want to know what God's done for our family? I'll tell you. Here's what God's done. Here's where we were three generations ago. And here's where we are today. This is how far God's taken us in three generations. Come on. This is how far God has taken us in three generations. Thank you, Jesus. And you can look back. I'm sure many of you watching this can look back three generations and say, look how far God has brought my family in just three generations. Share that with your kids. Let them know the work God has done. You know, three generations ago, we did, our family wasn't even Christian, didn't even serve the Lord. Maybe you're the first Christian in your whole family. Let your kids know God brought our family out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He blessed us. Our family used to be filled with uh, debt, filled with sickness, disease, depression. Our family used to be filled with marital problems and divorce after divorce. Look how far God's brought us in just three short generations. Let your kids know God's been moving in our family. When you sit down at the table with your children and you have dinner, one of the things, I mean, let them know. Thank you, Jesus, for the food. Amen. Let them know. Let them know what God has done. Let them know all of his mighty work in your life. Begin to thank him in front of your kids. Lord, I thank you that you've provided more than enough for our family. I thank you, Lord, that we're not like we used to be. I mean, just go through it. Thank you, you've kept our bodies from sickness and disease again this month. 
that your hand has been upon us. One of the reasons that kids go off, they don't see God's work. They don't understand that God's been moving. They don't understand God's been working. You know, one of the things that my youth pastor, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, one of the things that I appreciated about him is that even though he may not have been the best preacher in the world, and maybe he wasn't the most, you know, people wondered, you know, how can he relate to, to young people? You know, they looked at him versus the young people. How can he relate to young people? But let me tell you something. He was one of the best I've ever seen at one-on-one ministering to students. And I can tell you this, though, though you know, where I grew up in West Virginia, we never had a, a massive youth group. Let me tell you what we did have, a youth group, you know, of like 40, 50 kids where the Holy Ghost was moving. And I mean, we had moves of the Holy Ghost in our youth group. And I mean, kids got shook. Kids didn't just get saved. They got filled with the Holy Ghost, manifestations of God's power. And then a lot of students from our youth group were called into the ministry. That doesn't come because you just sat around and played games. That doesn't come because you just sat around and told funny stories. He made up his mind. We're going to have a move of God in this youth group. These kids are going to sense and experience the power of God firsthand. What did it do? It changed their lives changed their lives. And many of them went to Bible school and went into the ministry. Why? Because we showed them that the power of God is real. Amen. Many people have never seen it. And that's the key. We've got to let the next generation know what God is doing. But let me, let me step into another, uh, let me step into another point here because we don't just need to let them know is that we don't need to only tell them what God is doing and how important it is and all this. I, I mean, I, when I was growing up, I came, I saw a generation of people that would come and parents I'm talking about that would drop their kids off at church on Sunday morning and then go back home and come back to pick them up. They didn't attend church. They'd drop them off at VBS. They would drop them off at Sunday school, but they didn't attend. And what, what is that going to show your child when they grow up? So, well, mom and dad never went to church. They just took us and they, they went back home. So I guess, you know, if you're an adult, you know, church isn't that important for you if you're an adult. That's what they learned. Our kids learn not by what we say, by what they see us doing. My friend Robert Conover said they, they do that now. They do that now. It's still happening today, of course. But you know what we're doing with that? We're teaching our kids and our grandkids, we're teaching them that for adults, church isn't that important. Our kids don't learn just by what we say, but the majority of it is by what we do. They see us. You know, people say, and your kids are just like you. That's because they've been watching you for their whole life and learning how to respond in situations for their whole life by looking at you. That's why they're like you. It's because you have discipled them that way. Remember this, negative or positive, you're discipling your kids. What does discipleship truly mean? It's when you teach someone how to emulate the disciplines, that's where discipleship, the disciplines of the the one who's leading them. That's all that discipleship is. It's when you teach someone how to emulate the disciplines of the one who's leading them. The reason the disciples were like Jesus is because Jesus discipled them. That's why, you know, you can see all the, the, you know, Elisha did what Elijah did because Elijah discipled him. Joshua did what Moses did because Moses discipled him. You go through the Bible, you'll find it. 
Paul and Timothy, Paul and Titus, Paul and Philemon, Paul and Onesimus. Why? Because Paul discipled them. I mean, Philemon 1.11 speaks for itself. Formerly, Onesimus was useless to you, but now he is very useful to you and to me because I became his father while in prison. What happened? He discipled him. And so now Onesimus is emulating the disciplines of Paul and became useful. That's how we teach. That's why we're in an 18 year discipleship program with our kids, training them up in the way they should go. I know people don't believe that scripture. All these, all these, oh, that brother, that's poetry. And that's basically just a generality that, you know, in general, you know, in general, if you train kids the way they should go, then, you know, in general, they won't depart from it, but you know, some still will. I believe that there's a reason that some do depart from the faith. And I don't believe it's because that scripture's in generalities. I believe that if you do what the Bible says and train your children properly, then they will do it's the, the funny thing is, is that we act like we've trained our children. We act like everything's good. We act like everything's cool. But I'm telling you, if you would look in, and I've watched, I've watched people. I'm a a people watcher. And I know a lot of people. I've traveled a lot. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen behind the scenes in a lot of areas. And people that you'd think, well, they're really, you know, strictly training their children in righteousness. They're not really doing it. They're not really doing it. I've seen pastors letting their kids do foolish things you know, go behind as teenagers, go behind closed doors with their girlfriend and boyfriend. I've watched pastors do that. Let me tell you, it'd be a cold day in hell with the devil singing Frosty the Snowman before I would allow my kids to be behind closed doors with their uh, boyfriend, girlfriend as a teenager. Say, oh yeah, we're training them up in, in godliness and righteousness. People aren't doing what you think they're doing. So don't tell me, well, it's just generalities. No, if you do what the Bible says, that means you don't believe in seed time and harvest. That if you sow seeds of holiness, seeds of righteousness, train them up, then they'll go the way they should. You're discipling them. You're showing them how to react in situations. I don't think parents have understood fully the importance. That's why Carolyn and I are going to work on this book that's going to come out regarding children. Because I'm telling you, not that I'm a perfect parent, not that we've excelled in everything, not that our kids are even grown and have proven and gone on to do it. But let me tell you something. There are biblical principles that are mind blowing that if you'll put them into practice, it'll help your kids beyond measure. They'll be far beyond anybody else in their generation, far beyond, far beyond. So we have to show them by our actions. That's why we operate and live by principle. When I say urgent, caution, Avoid next generation danger. Let me tell you how to avoid it by not being lenient and lazy in your own Christian life. If you want your kids to be on fire, you be on fire. If you want your kids to be faithful to church, you be faithful to church. And I agree with Hannah Campbell in in the comments. She said, and who you hang around matters as a parent. You better believe it. You better believe it. I don't hang around nonsense, people that just spew nonsense all the time. I don't, I don't hang around with people that, that have no fire, that don't desire to go higher. I don't know why that rhymes so much. Rob said, you, parents should get their children full of the Holy Ghost. That's right. Get them filled. Don't wait for a minister. You get them filled. That's right. It matters. It matters who you put around them. That's right. Don't worry about t- getting a late start, Aaron. You start, you start from where you are. And believe God for his grace to do 
uh, what you're called to do, Aaron. Amen. But you don't wait. You don't allow it. If you want your kids to be on fire, you be on fire. So I don't know if my, I, I don't know if my kids are, are filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I don't know if they even speak in tongues. Do they ever hear you speak in tongues? Do your kids ever hear you speak in tongues? Have your kids ever seen you dance in church? Have they ever seen you lift your hands and worship the Lord? Have they ever seen, are you, are you one of those parents that just kind of sits there with your hands in your pockets and watches everything else go on in your church service? And then you wonder why your kids just sit in the pew and scroll their, uh, you know, their TikTok feed while the, while the service is going on. If you want your kids to be on fire, you be on fire. If you want them to lift their hands in worship, lift your hands in worship. Yeah. That's exactly right, Pastor Dave. We need to display publicly in a service the same fire they're hoping. That's right, because the kids are taking your lead. Amen. My kids will see me lift my hands. They'll see me pray in tongues. They'll see me shout and dance. They'll see me run. They see me jump. They see me preach. But at home, they see me live the word of God. They see me give. The reason my kids are givers the way they are is because I'm a giver. I'm an extravagant giver. And so my kids are givers to the point where they, they buy gifts for other kids in the name. And the parents are like, oh my goodness, that's too much. Why would your kids buy that much for our kids? It's because they're givers. They see their dad and their mom give. And so they're givers. It's imparted. They're worshipers because they see dad and mom worship. They lift their hands and praise the Lord because they see dad and mom lifting their hands and praising the Lord. They will read their Bibles because they see dad and mom studying their Bibles. Amen. Amen. And we have, because let me tell you, it doesn't take 20 generations to lose people. It only takes one. That's the whole point of this passage. The next generation rose up that did not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, nor did they serve him, nor did they know the work he had done for Israel. Doesn't take 10 generations or 14. Doesn't take three generations. It takes one. It only takes one. It only takes one. Hallelujah. It only takes one. That's why I am being so intentional with my one generation. I am responsible for my next generation. Not my pastor, not other evangelists, not their school. I am, I am responsible for my next generation. Let me tell you, a lot takes place when you take personal responsibility and say, you know what? I'm not waiting on, like, like uh, my friend, Pastor Rob said, I'm not waiting on somebody else to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to do everything I can to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, my, my confession from the beginning, you know, what has been in prayer points. My children will be filled with the Holy Ghost at the earliest possible age, speaking in tongues at the earliest possible age. Amen. Not waiting around. So, well, my pastor never did a good job. It's not my pastor's uh, responsibility to train up my children. He perfects the saints. He encourages the body. He cares for the flock. He speaks the word of God. He's not there. Do you, do you know, I had a lady come to me one time when I was a youth pastor and she wanted to ream me out. I've told this story before because her daughter started acting wild in school, public school, and was mad that her daughter was starting to take actions that she never raised her take. And she comes into the office to, to rip me up and says, now, I thought you were her youth pastor. And I thought you were teaching her how to live by the Holy Ghost. And I put the brakes on that real quick. Hang on a second. I said, how many hours are in a week? 
She didn't know. So I told her 168. There's 168 hours in a week. The school has your children for 40 of those hours. Maybe, uh, could be, you could say 45, what? 40 to 45 hours. I said, I get your daughter for one hour a week. Who has her for the rest of the time? I asked the mom. I said, you have her. She's at your house. So subtracting the time that she sleeps, the school has 45. I have one. That leaves 120 hours minus 56. So say, for example, that that leaves 70 hours. So more than anybody else, you have 70 of her waking hours at your house. And you're, and you're coming to me to yell at me because your, uh, your daughter is acting wild. I said, let me tell you, she didn't get that from the one hour of youth group. She got that from the 70 hours with you and the 40 some hours at public school. And if people can't see that blows their mind. Well, I thought she was going to church. Going to church does not guarantee that you're going to do what the Lord said. Sinners go to church. Wicked people go to church. The devil goes to church. Doesn't mean he's getting saved. And so understand something. They will see us. They will mirror us. They will say what we say, do what we do. You'll never hear me minimize the importance of church attendance to my children. Well, you know, we've been gone. I don't care if we've been gone three weeks. And that happens where I'm preaching every single night with the exception of Saturday most of the time. Sunday through Friday, Sunday through Friday, Sunday through, and we come home. You're not going to hear me say to my kids as we travel home on Saturday, well, it's been a long three weeks. You know, daddy's been preaching and the Lord understands that we need rest too. So we're going to just take tomorrow and stay home and sleep. No, no, no. We get home Saturday. We get up. The kids get, I don't care how tired you are. Get up. We're going to church. Dad's going to church. Dad'll be on the front row. Mom will be on the front row. If you're not in class, you'll be on the front row. I don't care how many weeks in a row I've preached. I don't care how tired my body is. My body will wake up and respond to what the word of God says because my body does not run me. My spirit man runs me and my spirit man's renewed. So my spirit man obeys the word of God. So if the word of God says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There's people who say, well, I've been in church for the last 21 days. Yeah, go again, go again. Because all that teaches my children is that, well, I'm really tired from doing what I'm called to do. So when I get super tired, you know, I don't attend church. Good luck with that. Because there'll be plenty of times in your kid's life where they're tired. And they'll say, well, I remember times when dad was tired, mom was tired, and they just stayed home and rested. And the Lord doesn't mind. That's, that'll be their life plan. You know, there's times when you're too tired and you just, you know, say, I don't care. This body is going to respond to the word of God. My body doesn't run me. My mind doesn't run me. My mind is getting renewed on a daily basis. My body's getting crucified on a daily basis. And my spirit man who is united with the Holy ghost is going to lead my actions. It's going to lead my actions according to the word of the almighty God. So guess what? This tired body, this tired, worn out flesh is going to get itself out of bed and get in the shower and put on a suit and tie and go sit on the front row and receive the word of God. And I don't care how tired it is. 
And my kids will see that growing up. You know, dad didn't matter how much he preaching he did or how much we were gone. When we came home, he was in church every Sunday. He never missed. That's what they're going to see. They're going to see, you know, when we go on vacation, if we're on vacation on a Sunday, dad always finds a church in the, in the city we're in having vacation. And we always attend the church. Even if we're on vacation on a Sunday, you better believe it because church is an optional and I don't need a vacation from the house of God. You know, I hear people talk, well, I need a, I need a break. I need a vacation. I need to get, you need a vacation from God's house. You need a vacation from God's presence. My kids will know that we pray, we read the word, we worship, we praise, we give. I'm discipling them. Do you know, even when there was times, which is less and less now, but earlier on when there were times, if, if Carolyn didn't always go to the revival services with me and she was home and I traveled by myself or with somebody, um, the live streams would come on and they'd watch the live stream at home. And, and if we were praising God in the service, Carolyn would get those kids in the living room and they would jump and dance and shout and praise God. I still have videos on my phone that we so imparted that to our young children when they were just babies, two years old, one and a half, that I've got uh, videos uh, when we'd get to um, hotels after traveling all day. They'd be Brooklyn, little Brooklyn, jumping on the bed, singing, singing worship songs, jumping on my back, singing worship songs, you know, yeah, yeah, screaming, shouting. Hallelujah. You know, it's just being sweet. Teddy walking around with his little blue acoustic guitar strapped on. I have the video on my phone. This is how I fight my battles. Teddy's like one and a half years old. He couldn't even fully say those words. What's going on? They're getting something imparted into their spirit that they'll take with them into adulthood, which ensures they're not walking away from the faith. They will be ingrained. They'll be full of the power of God ingrained in their heart, ingrained in their spirit. My kids, your kids won't miss out on what God has planned. They won't miss out on what God has planned for their life. It's not going to be like judges too. And another generation rose up that didn't know the God of Israel. No, they didn't know the Lord. They didn't know the work he had done. Not our kids. It only takes one generation. And if parents are going to just sit around and goof off and just hope it works out, you're in for trouble. Don't be flippant with the next generation. Don't be flippant, even with your grandkids. I know there's thing you can't, you're not allowed to cross the line and there's boundaries and the parents have to raise their own kids and you can't be too pushy. I get that, but don't stop praying for them. And when you're around them and they're spending time with you, don't stop imparting to them because they need your wisdom. They need your anointing. They need your fire. And if we want our kids to be on fire, we've got to be on fire. Now, I made up my mind. You're not going to just know by what I say. You're going to know by what I do. Hallelujah. You're going to know by what I do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, if we're going to keep this next generation on fire, it has to be in front of their face, in front of their eyes. It has to be something. You know, I agree with this. I mean, I have no problem with it. I have a pastor friend that when his children were growing up, he actually paid them. He had a list of books that he wanted his children to read, a list of books. He said, for every one of these books you read, I'll pay you. For every one of these books you read, I will pay you. Had a dollar amount. He said, well, you're just bribing your kids to read. No, 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 no. I'm making an investment in my children 
Plus, one of the things they need to understand is that there's reward in obedience and there's a reward in what you invest and sow into yourself. I'm going to do the same for my kids. You know, my, my cousin, um, Jonathan, his, di- his dad told him, if you'll read the Bible through every year until you're 16, then when you get your driver's license, I'll get you a car. If you'll read your Bible through every year until you're 16, I'll get you a car. And he did it. And his dad got him one. I remember it to this day. It was a, I believe it was a white Chevy Lumina. Does anybody else remember the Chevy Lumina? (laughs) It was very rounded. The Chevy Lumina. And I remember it. I rode to camp with him. I was like, man, his dad got him a car. And, And why? Because he had done what his dad asked. I will buy you a car. If you'll read the Bible through every year of your life, from the time you can read all the way till you're 16. Did it. Liz said that was my first car, a Chevy Lumina. Amen. And, and, and what? There's a blessing for obedience. There's a blessing for dedication. There's a blessing for diligence. Kids should understand that. I don't believe in a participation trophy. There's a blessing for winning. There's a blessing for diligence. There's a blessing for dedication. There's a blessing for discipline. You should feel, let me tell you, and th- th- this, this needs to be said in our generation, you should feel the pang of loss when you lose that like we weren't, we weren't pushing, we weren't pushing, we weren't dedicated. We, we didn't give it everything we had making everybody feel good. Win or lose, you're still the champion. No, you're not. (laughs) No, you're not. Victory. See, that's not even, that's not even biblical. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. You fight the good fight of faith. If you think you're going to be able to coast through the Christian life, if you're trying to teach your kids, you're going to coast through the Christian life and everything's going to be like, you know, clouds and, you know, no, there's a fight of faith where you have to take hold. You have to take hold of the promises of God. You got to resist the devil and make him flee from you. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. It's an active fight, it's an active resistance, and it's an active submission throughout your whole life as a Christian, teaching people they're just going to coast through life. No, you better be dedicated to God and his word. And I refuse to lose this next generation. That's why we're dumping our time and investing it so heavily in children and students, because we understand what it's going to take. We understand what it's going to take to see this next generation on fire, on fire. That's why even though I'm 40 years old, 40, I'll still go and preach youth conference. Why? I believe that the next generation needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. You're not going to go and say, Hey guys, just want to give you just kind of a, a, a really uplifting word. I'm going in there with both barrels loaded, going in with fire. I'm going in to get kids saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, delivered from addictions, delivered from pornography, delivered from perversion, because our next generation needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. They need what you have. They need what I have. And so we have to be intentional and say, you know what? I'm not going to coast through life and hope they make it. I'm going to discipline. That's what discipleship is. I'm going to transfer my disciplines into those that are below me. My children are going to go to the next level. Hallelujah. And I love what our pastor says. This is how impartation truly should work. 
Every next generation should be greater than the last. Every next generation should be greater than the last. So you know what our pastor says? My ceiling will be your floor. My ceiling will be your floor. Hallelujah. And I want you to put it in the comments today before we pray. My ceiling will be my children's floor. My ceiling will be my children's floor. Glory to God. My ceiling will be my children's floor. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for every person watching me, those that are the faithful, that will not allow the next generation to go to a place where they don't know the Lord, where they don't serve the Lord, where they're not on fire for God, wishy-washy, going and doing other things. They don't prioritize the things of God. I pray, Lord, that you would put an urgency in our spirits today that we will not lose the next generation by one iota. In fact, they will go beyond us as we just declared. Our ceiling will be their floor. It'll be grace unto grace, faith unto faith, favor unto favor, victory unto victory in Jesus' mighty name. We'll not see decrease, only increase in our children, only increase in our grandchildren in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for that. Give us wisdom as we're raising up the next generation. Give us wisdom that we didn't even obtain naturally. Holy Ghost wisdom. Your word declares in James chapter one that if anybody lacks wisdom, they can ask you for wisdom and you'll give it to them liberally and will not rebuke them for asking for it. So today we ask for it. Give us wisdom, Lord, in Jesus' name. Give us wisdom that we didn't glean even from our own parents or grandparents. Holy Ghost, biblical wisdom to raise our children in the fear of the Lord and in godliness and in the fire of the Holy Ghost. Give us divine wisdom. Give us strength to raise them. There's people watching me, Lord, as you know, that are single mothers that are raising their children. Give them extra strength in Jesus' name. Give them extra strength to do what they're called to do. Let their children abound. Let their children go above and beyond their generation. And I pray that they'll excel supernaturally and quickly by the power of your spirit. Put a hedge of protection around our next generation. Protect them from harm and danger. Protect them from wickedness. Protect them from the antichrist spirit and agenda. We thank you for that, Lord. Give them wisdom beyond measure. Give them wisdom that they didn't gain from a textbook, but wisdom that they got from the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. Let us raise up the next generation of world-changing believers that are not satisfied with the status quo, but have a desire to see the Holy Ghost shake this world one more time before Jesus comes. We thank you for that, Lord. Use us mightily in these final moments of time. We're your servants, we're your children, and we love you. And you'll get all the honor for it, you'll get all the praise, you'll get all the glory in Jesus' wonderful name. If you believe it, somebody shout aloud, Amen. Scare the person in the cubicle next to you. Throw your hands up and then put some hands in the comments. Put some fire in the comments today in Jesus name, declaring my next generation will be blessed. My next generation will be blessed in Jesus mighty name, in Jesus mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus. That's it. My ceiling will be my children's floor in Jesus' wonderful name. And we're doing everything we can 
for the kids. I'm looking at uh, shelves filled with kids' products. I'm looking at things for uh, youth, students. Partner with us. Stand with us. Maybe you've never taken the time to financially stand with this ministry. You know what we stand for. If you need to find out more about it, go to miracleword.com forward slash partner or click the partner button in the menu and see all that we're involved in and stand with us. Stand with us. You can see it there, miracleword.com forward slash partner. Check out what's going on through this ministry as we're going all over the world on television, as we're holding live crusades, multimedia ministry just like this, uh, feeding the hungry around the world. There's so much that we're doing, so much that we're doing. But if you'll stand with us in the month of August, our gift to you, Pastor Mark Hankins' book, The Bloodline of a Champion, Power of the Blood of Jesus. This is 350 pages of powerful revelation on the blood of Jesus Christ and what it does in your life and in your family's life. Our families need the power of God more than ever before. So I want to challenge you today to stand with us. Whatever you sow this month of August, I'm going to send you that as a gift to you. And if you'd like to receive it as you sow, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And uh, you can sign up and tell us where to send it. We'll mail you a copy. It's our way of saying thank you and telling you that we love and appreciate you for sowing and praying, believing God that this ministry will do what we're called to do. And for those that are sowing $1,000 or more in the month of August, we're going to include with that one of my favorite resources, as you know, the Net Study Bible with 60,000 translators notes. This is the full notes edition, 60,000 translators notes to take you deep in your Bible study. That's also my gift to you that are sowing over $1,000 in the month of August. And we say thank you for those that are sowing. We love you a lot. Very much appreciate, appreciate you. Tomorrow, again, let me say this if you just logged on, by the way. Um, if you're going to be a part of the uh, homecoming weekend for the Victory Tribe, it's coming up October the 28th and 29th. But get this, there's only 25 seats left for the banquet. Only 25 seats left for the banquet. And so uh, you've received your email, you've received it, uh, your invitation in the mail. If you have delayed in RSVPing for the banquet, please do it quickly because time's running out and seats are running out. There's only 25 left. On top of that, um, there are now more rooms available under our room block with a room rate at the Renaissance Hotel in Allentown that just opened up. So you can use the, uh, the room rate that they're giving us. All the details are in the email that we sent you. And so um, I wanna encourage you if you're coming, please let us know that you are and who's coming with you so that uh, we can make plans to host you, but seats are running out. So you gotta do it quickly. We've got so many good, good things to share with you. Can't wait to hang with you. I love you. I'll be back again with you tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Carolyn's back with you tomorrow, 10.30. I'm at 10.30. She's at 2 o'clock broadcast. Don't miss it. It's going to be great. Have a powerful day. I love you, and I'll talk to you soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.